Hebrews 10, and we'll be looking at 11, verses 11 through 14. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. You may be seated. <laughs> uh, thank you, John. John is one of our deacons um, at, our, at our church. Uh, uh, John is, uh, his family have been a joy to me the whole time I've known him and I'm just thankful for him. He's not only a deacon, but he teaches one of our small groups and he's involved in several different things within our church and always thankful for his leadership. He's always a guy I find that I can go to and find encouragement from. And so thanks, John. Appreciate it. Um, I will work on that short person's mic next time. All right, this morning we're going to pick up on our in our, in our series that we started last week on, a, on atonement. And I do want to take a moment and just, just say that probably as we walk through, not probably, as we walk through the truths of the atonement, this, these truths can have a tremendous impact on your life. Um, that today, if you came in this morning and you're eager to grow in your knowledge and understanding in your faith, in Jesus Christ, the things that we're talking about in the atonement can do that. Uh, it can change your life. If, if you do not know Christ or you've not understood what Jesus has done for you in the past, today you're going to be hearing some of those. You heard a little bit last week. You will hear that continuing this week. But these truths can have an eternal impact on your life. Um, even as a believer, you can begin to understand the realities of the atonement, the realities of what Jesus did in his life, his perfect life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and the impact it has on your daily walk. So I'm, I'm excited about this series. Um, there's times when we'll be talking about things that are not always fun to talk about, but we need to understand the realities of what Christ has done for us and why we stand today confident in him and the righteousness of Christ. So before we go any further, let me pray as I always do and take a moment. Father, uh, just come before you and um, Father, I pray that the realities of, of the subject today of the atonement that we have, that through the work of Christ, that today that we stand, Father, before you, not in our confidence, not in our and our accomplishments, not in our good deeds, but we stand before you in the righteousness of Jesus. And that, Father, we call you Abba, Father. We look to you and understand, Father, the realities that without Jesus today, we would be hopeless. But because of Christ, today we stand in hope in a confident expectation. That, Father, you would speak to us today, your people. That, Father, we would grow in Christ and the knowledge of him and the grace that, that we have in Christ that we might grow up into maturity and that these things that you teach us today, Father, would be things that we would embrace in humility 
and we embrace, Father, in our understanding as we implement them in our lives. Go past, Father, as I always ask, go past all my own iniquities, shortcomings, my own sins. That, Father, you would speak to us, your people, that we would understand and grow in the knowledge of your Son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Last week we started with atonement, and we talked about four reasons for the atonement, and we spent some time on that. That was uh, uh, just kind of a reality check of who we are without God and his grace, right? And so we looked at those things last week. The other thing we looked at is the four results of atonement. And today I want to kind of post those up there because as we begin to talk about atonement, as we look at it, we understand it's the work Christ did in his perfect life and death that he earned our salvation, his death as the Lamb of God. So last week when we looked at the four results of the atonement, we realized that, oh, good, thank you. We realized that we deserve to die because of our iniquity, because of our sin, we need to die. There's death. And the reality or the answer to that is sacrifice or the sacrifice of his son. We'll be looking at that today. And then next week, we'll look at propitiation. We'll look at reconciliation. And we'll look at redemption so the following week. So we're going to be walking through this series as we talk about the work of Jesus in our lives. The work of Christ. His life, his perfect life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection that he might earn salvation for us. So today... We're going to be looking at sacrifice, and as John did a great job of reading in Hebrews 10, 11 through 14, that's where our passage is going to be. So if you don't have your Bible there, go ahead and turn your Bible to chapter 10, verses 11 through 14 is where our passage is going to be at today. And when we look at this passage, we understand that the heart of atonement is the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. The very heart of the atonement is the, and the work of Jesus and what he has done for us is his sacrificial death. And so when we start in verse 11, we realize, hey, there was an insufficient sacrifice. There was an insufficient sacrifice. And so when we look at verse 11, it says, every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. There's three observations here, and I think we need to recognize them. And then as we look into the context of the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, to really nail down these, what these verses are teaching us this morning, there's three observations I want us to see right off the bat. First, priests are standing daily. They're constantly standing. Secondly, they're offering repeatedly the same sacrifices over and over and over again. It's repeatedly, and it's the same sacrifices. And third, these sacrifices can never take away sin. They can never atone for sin. So when we look at the context of the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews begins to write about the superiority of Jesus Christ compared to, to angels, to the prophets, over and over. But what he's also drawing out is a contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant. And the picture that he's drawing out is in the sufficiency of the sacrifices before are now complete in the person of who Jesus Christ is and that we find ourselves rather dependent on him and they were going back to these sacrifices that would never provide salvation. They would never atone for sin. They would never make them satisfied before God. They would never be an accomplishment of anything 
that they were going to do. They simply were covering until the time when the perfect sacrifice of God would come in Jesus Christ. And they were starting to go back and they were starting to leave even though Christ had already came and through his death, his burial and resurrection, but through the persecution and being ostracized for their faith, many of them were starting to go back to Judaism and the author of Hebrews is calling them, don't do that. But rather move forward in faith, rather move on because the old covenant, the old covenant is passing away. So in chapter 10, in verse one, the author of Hebrews says this, it says, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of true form of these realities. In other words, he says, hey, the old covenant or the law is a shadow of these things that are to come. And so, you know, you look up here and Alan does a really good job of putting lights all around me. It's hard to find shadows, but there's one over here, you know, so you throw your shadow up and I throw my hands up in the air and you can see the shadow kind of going out over the, over the floor there, over the wall. But the shadow is not the reality. The, the shadow can give me shape. You kind of know, okay, the size and the shape. There's five fingers on each hand. You kind of figure some of those things out. But it doesn't give you all the details. It doesn't give you the complete picture. There's so much it still leaves out. And so the picture is, is that the author of Hebrews is that the law was a shadow of the good things to come. That the, that the law or the old covenant was to demonstrate or show us of the things that were going to come in the, in the sacrifice of Christ. That the shadow is kind of insubstantial. The old covenant was not really the real thing. It was shadowing the things that were to come and the expectation. And it represented what was real and those realities. In fact, he goes down in verse 3 and he says in verse 3, but in the sacrifice sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. So, the, so there was a problem that was going on every year in these sacrifices. You know, they come along and you offer your sacrifice and everything's good, right? And then you come back the next year and you're like, oh, I got to do it all over again. Why? Because a sacrifice was never sufficient in atoning for sins. It was a cover until that time when the perfect sacrifice was come. So it was a reminder of those things. So here you come next year, maybe. No, still another sacrifice. Another sacrifice. And these believers in Hebrews, that the author of Hebrews is writing to, were going back to these sacrifices that could never atone for sins. They could never satisfy when Christ was already here. And so you keep coming back. And what was, what was the problem of, this, of this, this, uh, these sacrifices? They never atoned and dealt with sin once and for all. They were a covering. That's what he says in verse 4. He says, in verse 4, for it is impossible. Now let that word sink for a second before you read. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to atone for sins. It's an insufficient sacrifice. These sacrifices were insufficient to atone for our sins. And so the author of Hebrews continues on. In fact, down in verse eight, and I'm just trying to give a little bit of a background when we walk, before we walk into our verses in verse 11. He says in verse eight, and following, in verses 8 and 9, it's really a quote of Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8, kind of a condensed form. 
He said, when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices, offerings, and bird offerings, sin offerings, these are offered according to the law or according to the old covenant. In other words, those offerings were never satisfied or sufficient in meeting the needs or the, the judgment of sin. And then he says in verse 9, then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. This is referring to the Messiah. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. In other words, that old covenant that they had was never able to sufficiently atone for their sins. But here comes Christ who does away with the first in order to establish the new covenant that we have in Christ Jesus. The shadow of the old covenant was a shadow of the new. Don't turn back and go to that which will never take away from sin, but remain in Christ. Don't turn back. You know, I was thinking about this this morning and I was like thinking through some of this and you know, right now, if we begin to understand the truths of these things that we're reading this today, if you wanna grow in God's word, Right now, you have the opportunity to do that. We, we, we avoid difficult things in our faith sometimes. I don't know whether it's just to want to be accepted or not. But right now, we have the opportunity to grow in truth. If you want life to change right now in your life, if you want to have the opportunity for God's spirit to work in your life, Right now, that can happen. As we look at the atonement, if you're eager to, and hungry to see God, to renew fire in your life, a passion for Jesus, there's the opportunity for that to happen this morning in these truths. That these truths we're sharing today is, is God's word and the spirit of God working and moving in us. Then life change can take place. Minds can be renewed, hearts can be stirred, and the glory of God given to him alone. That we begin to put away the things of the, of the world, the old life, and we begin to put on Jesus. Understanding what God has done for us in the, in the, in the atonement, that we understand those realities, it begins to change who we are in our faith and our walk after Jesus Christ. When we understand the depth and the power and the reality of the truth we are learning about atonement, God's work in our lives is, can be incredible. It can happen right now. There, right now is every opportunity. So I challenge you this morning as you listen to these words to, to look in your life and understand the realities of the atonement. Because when we walk into our passage in verse 11, and he says, every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. I find in our own lives, in our own human effort, that we constantly try to do things and do things and do things in order to have a right standing with God. And the reality is we're utterly, totally dependent on Christ. In verse 11, he reinforces what he says in verse 10 when he says, an offering through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ 
Once and for all, all these sacrifices over and over and over again, now there's one sacrifice, one Christ, and he makes it right. There's also a contrast as well here, not just in the sense of, of them standing, the priest are standing daily, but also Jesus sitting down because he finished the work. But there's an, also a contrast in the offering that is given. In the previous offerings, over and over and over again, it was animal sacrifices. But now God sends his perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God. And once and for all, the sacrifice is made. The priests continue to stand, but the, but the Son of God, who has accomplished the sacrifice for us, he sits down because it's finished. It's so significant. In the holy place of the tabernacle, you know what? There wasn't any chairs. Did you know that? There wasn't any chairs. There, there wasn't any. Why? Because the work was never done. The priest continued after. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've been called in ministry and I'm in ministry and I'm so thankful for that and enjoy that, but I'm sure glad I wasn't called to be a priest back in the day. I can't imagine, I mean, I guess you were born into the priesthood, but nevertheless, can you imagine this daily after animal, after animal, sacrifice after sacrifice, blood after blood, and it's ugly. It's an ugly picture. And we don't like to think of those things, do we? Because it's an ugly picture. But the picture is to remind us, just as he said, that there's a reminder in these sacrifices. It was to remind us of the ugliness of iniquity, the ugliness of sin, the reality that we don't understand what holy is. Because if we really understood what holy was and that our God is a holy God, a righteous God, if we understood that, we'd fall on our faces and we'd understand our total insufficiency to ever be righteous again. We could not accomplish it. We could not do it. We repeatedly, over and over, did these sacrifices over and over. But they were never sufficient. But God sends his son, right? The Lamb of God, once and for all. Once and for all. Do you understand? Do you see the absolute necessity for the atonement? The atonement is 100% necessary because we cannot, we cannot take away our own sin. I mean, you might be sitting here this morning, you're going, you know, Greg, I'm doing pretty good this year, man. I've been having victory over this and victory over that. And I've been, I mean, I've been having one of my better years and just, you know, living for God, living righteously and all of those things. And hey, that's great, but it's not enough. It's never enough. There's never enough good deeds. There's never enough striving. I'm just striving. I'm, I'm, I'm making it happen. I'm going to strive. There's never enough striving. There's never enough satisfaction made by your life to atone for sin. We are ultimately and utterly dependent on Jesus, our Savior, who is greater than ourselves. He was the perfect sacrifice that he might save us from our sins, that he might save us from our condition of iniquity, that we could not deliver ourselves, God sent his son that that might happen, that we might gain entrance into glory. It's not by 
our merit, but by the merit of another. And that is the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Lord Almighty, Jesus Christ himself. We need atonement. Otherwise, dear people of God, we're just gathering as a social club. At the very heart of our faith and all that we believe here at Mansfield Bible Church, here at, as a believer in Jesus Christ, at the very heart of what we believe is that we need to understand our condition without God and our absolute need for atonement through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So the author is telling him, hey, don't go back. All those sacrifices, that old covenant was insufficient. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of animals through the centuries passing over sins and all those sacrifices was never enough. Neither are good works. They were all insufficient. We are completely and absolutely dependent upon Jesus Christ for our salvation. That's what he goes into in verse 12. We've been talking about our our sufficient sacrifice. In verse 12, very first word is but. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. It's amazing here in this picture because, because I love this idea. Of, in fact, I love these you know, words but in the scriptures because you have like, hey, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God. He steps into our world. Same picture here. We're over and over and over, sacrificed, repeatedly standing, completely, repeatedly never able to atone for our sins, but when Christ offered for all time. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that God would interject into our world through his son, Jesus Christ, and Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. Remember the John the Baptist? He sees Jesus coming. John chapter 1, verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away what? The sin of the world, which atones for sin. The Lamb of God, of all the sacrifices that had gone before, and now God's perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God, once and for all, the perfect Lamb of God. You never need to do another sacrifice. There's never a, another thing that you add in order to be a right, better right standing with God. It was the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice of God. I want, I want you just to take a moment. Just absorb that in. Absorb that truth. Learn that truth and understand the love of God for you. Right now, this morning. God's love demonstrated for you in that while we were still in our iniquities, while we were still in our sins, what, Christ died for us. It's a demonstration of his love. That truth can change your life right now. If you don't know Christ right now, that truth is a reality that can change your life for all eternity. He can take you from death to life he can move you from darkness to light to begin to understand the purposes in which God has created us. He created us in righteousness and holiness in his intents and what is working in our lives. And we 
can be restored because of the work of Jesus. In verse 12, he says, Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice. Get that? One lamb. One lamb for all time in a single sacrifice. And it was done. It was done. And he sat down. He sat down and it was done. Atonement had been made. Praise God, praise God, hallelujah. It was done. Think about it. Think about the impact of that truth. Remember Jesus on the cross? What did he say? It is finished. It is finished. What was finished? Atonement. Sin had been paid for. It had been dealt with. Atonement. Can you imagine Jesus on the cross? Dead. Priest over there, just not too far away in the temple. They're still preparing offerings. They're still going through the sacrifices. There was that curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. The most sanctified area in all of Israel and all of the temple. There it was, that curtain, 60 feet high, 30 feet wide. They said it was as thick as a man's hand. They say four to six inches. Don't think of it like a little piece of cloth, like your shirt where we kind of rip it. Think about how thick that was. Priest over there going about his business like he always did. Rip from top to bottom. I mean, could that priest not stand there and go, maybe what Jesus was saying was true. Maybe there's some truth about that. He's over there on that cross. And or think about that Roman soldier. I mean, the earth quaked. The clouds went to darkness. The sky went dark. And he says, surely what? This is the son of God. Surely he is the son of God. Man, take in that moment. Take it in. See, Jesus is God. He is the Messiah. He is our Savior. He is our substitute. Jesus is the one who made atonement for our sin. Jesus is the all-sufficient sacrifice. And the work is once and for all done. Amen, amen, amen. Right now, do you see how life can change right now? How it can happen for you? Do you see it in the all-sufficient sacrifice of Jesus? He is offering you spiritual rest. Some of you are coming in today and you might be miserable. Maybe you've been distraught. You can't find peace. You've been searching all of your life, wondering about peace in life and and wondering about comfort and joy and those things. And you're wondering, like, how is this possible in this world? Remember the words of our Lord when he said in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all you who are what? Heavy laden, and I will give you rest, rest. He says, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. He's not talking about physical rest, like, you know, a couple-hour nap that we'd all enjoy, right? That's not what he's talking about. 
It's talking about spiritual rest. To go from a place where you were opposed to God to a place where you understand you have peace with God. To go from a place where you find yourself so riled up by all the turmoil of our world and the world around us, and yet you find comfort in the midst of it because of who God is and what he has done through his son, Jesus Christ. You begin to experience joy when it doesn't make sense to experience joy because your joy is not in what happens in this world. Your joy is in the person of Jesus Christ. He is your rock. He is your foundation. And though the world shake around you, there's peace because he is our atonement. He is the one who has provided salvation. He is the one who restores us and gives us new life. To him be the glory and the praise. Look what he says in verse 13. Waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. Jesus has had has conquered and, and, and overcame death through his death, his burial and resurrection. And now he's waiting. He's waiting until that time comes when all of those who opposed him, all everything had opposed him, our adversary who had opposed him, even, even death itself. He's waiting until it comes and it's all made a footstool under his feet. Yeah, you know those verses that when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, that day when he comes not as a suffering servant, but as a king because of who he is, because he has conquered sin and death. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and we will recognize who he is because he has conquered. And our identity that is in Christ, we understand that in that victory that he has, we will be victorious too. Our victory is not accomplished by our abilities and our resources and our strength. Our victory is accomplished by the work of God's Son, the perfect Lamb of God, once and for all, settled for all time, that through Him we have righteousness and a righteous standing with God. May He come today. May He come today. Not only is this sacrifice sufficient, but it makes us righteous before God too. Look at verse 14. In verse 14, he says, for by a single offering, again, I love this over and over again, single offering, once and for all, those kinds of terms. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time. Let that one soak in. For all time. I love that. For all time, those who are being sanctified. I want to take a moment. Let's, let's do a little bit of a study of the verbs here. In verse 12, it said, but when Christ had offered, okay, there it's an aorist past tense. What does that mean? It literally means a past or an action in, in the past that has, a, has been completed. Once and for all, it's been completed. In other words, when Christ had offered, in other words, he did this in the past. It's been complete. It's finished. So now when the author in verse, uh, verse 14 says, for by a single offering, he has perfected. It's in the perfect tense. And in this tense, it means it signifies a completed action in the past that has an ongoing effect into the present and to the future. And so the picture is through his, his sacrifice, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, he has accomplished and it continues to have an effect and will continue into the future. And you know what he's talking about here when he says perfected? He's talking about our righteousness before God. 
our righteousness before God. For by a single offering, he has perfected, he has made us righteous for all time, those who are being sanctified. You know, they kept coming to those sacrifices over and over and over again and never brought righteousness. And never had a change on those who were bringing the offering. They didn't understand the righteousness that was to be theirs as they, by faith, sacrificed, believing in the Lamb of God, the Messiah that would come and deliver them. But Jesus has, for once and for all, has made us righteous in him. Look, what that means is, is if you walked in this this building today, and by faith you received Christ in your life, by faith you're believing in Christ, that is you walked in and believed in that because of what Christ did 2,000 years ago in making our atonement as our atonement, today you stand right here, right now, in the presence of God, in the righteousness of Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin, or made sin, in our place, that we might be made in the righteousness of God. I think I just messed up that quote a little bit. It's the same picture, it's a great exchange that Jesus took upon himself sin that we would get righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. That we stand right here today because of our identity in Christ, that we stand righteous before our God. That's what that atonement did, the sacrifice of Jesus. He brought righteousness and we can stand here and today I stand before you, I stand before you in all that I am, I have nothing. I stand in the righteousness of Christ simply believing in God to do what he said he would do. Simply trusting him, simply by faith. And I know that many of you struggle with that truth as much as I do. You like me, I mean you hear the, the accusations of our adversary who always tells us we're not enough. How could God ever love somebody like me? How could God embrace me? I mean, look how horrible, look what I've done, look what I did. We have our adversary that says that. We have others that say that. We have people who are gonna say things and different things and we hear those things. And we think, how can I ever be righteous before God? And even worse than that, the greatest critic is our own selves, right? where we start believing things and we start going, man, I'm nothing, who am I? How can I be of any value to God? And God looks at us and he says, I love you. I love you. I see you in my son because he made atonement for our sins. And we by faith received it in our life and we stand in the righteousness of God right now. There's nothing I can do in and of myself and my person, there's nothing I can do to make myself any more righteous in the sight of God than what Jesus has already done in his work of atonement. Amen? That is the truth. You see how life can change? Can you see the reality of of our life that as we begin to realize the realities of the atonement, the realities of these truths, and as we understand the depth and the power of this, how it changes our lives? Not just, not just from unbelief to belief, but just as believers to understand that we rest. Jesus sat down when he accomplished his offering and he sat down 
because it was done. And we sit down with him and we rest in the work of Jesus and our righteousness because of what Jesus has done. That's why I love Romans 8, 1, right? There is therefore now no what? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because he has accomplished that once and for all. Life begins to change when we understand the reality of the atonement. Now, one of the things I wanted to do as I, as I close is this morning, during the last song, I've asked some folks, there's some folks who will come to the front and they're gonna just be over here off in these chairs and there's three or four people and they're willing to pray. If you, God spoke to you this morning, you just wanna have someone to pray with, they're gonna be here. You can come down here and pray with them. They'll, they'll hug on you. They'll love you. They'll pray with you. It's important that we do that for one another, right? Right? So if you need that this morning, there'll be some folks sitting over here in these chairs that would be willing to do that. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I pray right now that your spirit would just move among us. Father, there's some this morning who who may not, Father, understand the peace that they have with you in Christ Jesus. And Father, there's, there's a deep desire for peace, to be at peace with you, to understand your comfort, to understand the joy of the Lord is our strength, to understand the realities of what we have because of the atonement of Jesus Christ that he made for us. And Father, we understand the freedom that we have in Christ, not a freedom to do as we will, but Father, a freedom to live as we've been created. Father, we would begin to understand our purpose and the intent of what you want to do in our lives as we understand the atonement. Christ, our sacrifice once and for all, the Lamb of God, He's set down because it's done. The work is done. Father, if there's some here this morning who don't know Christ, may today be the day that they would receive Christ in their life and embrace the atonement that's been provided for them by faith that they would embrace that. Father, may there be believers here this morning who maybe have been struggling with the world and begin to allow the world to impose and surround them and affect them in a way that, Father, they became not victorious but defeated. May today they gain hope and strength in the atonement work of Jesus. And as we wait for his revelation, as we understand the realities of our righteousness in Christ, that today we would gain great joy and we would be encouraged and strengthened. Father, may your spirit be pleased to do as he pleases among us. In Jesus' name, amen.